Stardate 1119.2021. Welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod. Kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new and classic Star Trek. I'm your reluctant captain, Mike Garcia. With me on a view screen, we have Mariah Gossett and Grant Davis. Welcome back, guys. It's so nice to see y'all. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Yeah, this week, it's a good week. It's a big week. Um, it's also a complicated week because um, mm-hmm. Discovery is back. Um, not for everyone, uh, but we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. But we're going to try to focus on the show itself, the season four premiere of Star Trek Discovery, Kobayashi Maru. Um, before we dive into the new season of Disco, uh, I want to remind everyone who is watching us live on YouTube right now that you can drop a comment or a question in the live chat for us to read. Just, ch- just type um, capital P-O-D before your comment. And I'm, are you guys excited? We I'm have super excited. Brand Tanaka's new- excited. <laughs> yeah, people, you can drop your comments. We can pop them up on the screen. Drop your comments. You know what? Let's let's just dive into it. Um, I think it's time for some hot freaks. Hot freaks. All right, hot freak time. If you're watching or listening to us for the first time, hot freaks are our quick hot takes on the episode we are reviewing which is um, season four, episode one of Disco, the season four premiere. So if you're watching live, please drop your hot freak in the chat with a capital H and a capital F in front of it, and uh, we'll talk about it. So give us your hot freaks. Uh, we're going to give you ours now on this episode of Disco, season four premiere. Who wants to go first? Do you? Do you, Fearless Captain, want to go first? <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right. What an episode. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, Disco's really getting like sassy this season, just leading off with like the goofy buddy comedy and like the the grudge, the cat jokes, and some like really bizarre alien character designs, like with glowing CGI butterflies lifting people into the air for like a silly CGI flight chase battle. That opening was goofy, y'all. But I just like a few minutes in, I'm just like, I'm gonna go with it. This is fun. It was visually pretty goofy, but I like that it was all about the discovery leading the charge to reestablish the Federation's good name. Like Captain Burnham and her crew are on a mission to build back that trust in the Federation uh, all over the galaxy. So it was cool, like seeing them in the middle of that. Um, And that's kind of a really cool mission to like hang this entire season on. And I really like the themes of this of this episode. Like, it seems like we're back to interrogating Burnham's sort of like savior complex, and whether or not like her compulsive need to save everyone uh, by taking like huge risks is a sign of a great captain or one that needs a little more experience. But this is kind of something that we've kind of been through a lot before in Star Trek, um, not just with Burnham, but with pretty much every single captain that has like led a Star Trek show. So, like, exploring that theme or that idea that the captain will risk everything for its crew and for everyone is not exactly, like, exciting on paper. I like the way it played out here. I think it was pretty compelling. I like the way the the conflict played out between Burnham and the new Federation president. That was really well done. Uh, the tension felt real and palpable. And I, I kind of just wanted the show to be them two in a room, like, all season. That was really electric. <laughs> Like the, that scene when they're alone in the writing room and having this ideological clash, like that was really tense and the tension kept rising and rising. It was the best scene of the episode for me. But overall, it was kind of a mixed bag. I enjoyed it, but like the tone was all over the place. The pacing and structure was kind of odd, but I kind of get that. It's a premiere. They're trying to establish a bunch of stuff up front before like diving into the real story. So I kind of forgive it for that. Um the gravitational anomaly thing is not super compelling, but we'll see where it goes. I love the acting. The costuming is amazing this season. All 46 versions of the Starfleet uniform we got in this episode were so all great. <laughs> Every scene, it was like a new new uh, uniform. 
Uh, the new digital sets look pretty cool. They did some cool stuff with it. Um, kind of a long hot freak. Sorry, guys, but I'm kind of all over the map with this episode, but I, I did enjoy it. I'm looking forward to the season. Uh, Mariah, you go. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I actually loved the cold open. It reminded me a lot of uh, like Kelvin verse Trek of that yeah. scene where they're kind of running through the woods because they've made a cultural faux pas. So I feel like that's picking up very TOS sort of you know, Kirk and Spock shenanigree um, kind of vibes there. I thought it was showing a side of Burnham that we, you know, because we have a time jump. So we get to jump right in and like see her kind of being her best captain self and thinking on her feet and being that kind of uh, leader that we know that she can be. And um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of different tone, but we were sort of catching up of where people were. I thought everything looked beautiful. I know they're new using that new, um, AR wall for a lot of the shoots this season. And I think you can tell because the actors actually get to ch literally chew on the sets. Like they get to be in those spaces and have, um, I think more interactions. I do think, um, you know, we are set up for something. I think that is going to sort of kind of talk about, uh, an interesting sci-fi direction of the pandemic is, is what I'm feeling is going to happen. It's kind of that, unsuredness of what's going to take hold of all of our, our favorite people. I do think we are setting up for whoever that kid is that took over for Bryce for this episode is probably going to die this season would be my guess. Um, <laughs> because uh, that seems to happen a lot in that seat. I don't know if he knows that's a cursed seat. <laughs> um, right. And uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I really enjoyed this episode there. It, it was full of so many details, so many things to talk about, and I'm excited to, to chat through them all. But overall, I think it was a great premiere and it's one that feels very lived in, which I think we haven't gotten from Discovery as of yet. Cool. Grant Me. Davis. Me, my hot freak. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm leaning more toward what you were saying, Mike. I thought that it opened really corny and cheesy for me. There's something about uh, the... That's not the exactly what I said. The dialogue that just was not working and as things progressed as it got away from the this is the premiere we got to introduce all the characters and have them each say their little quip um and just kind of got into the meat of the story then i i started liking it a lot more um the stakes escalated and i felt that the discussion between burnham and um, the president was was fantastic. It was really interesting uh, way to analyze um, the Kobayashi Maru. And I also felt that it was a good middle finger to uh, the haters of Burnham. Um, <laughs> in that, like, oh yeah, you, you thought it was cool when when Shatner was able to to cheat the Kobe Ma Kobayashi Maru. Here she's basically given a Kobayashi Maru. And she's an unstoppable force who won't allow it. She will jump out of her spacesuit and and barely breathe while kicking a, a piece of shrapnel out in order to save everyone, <laughs> like in the nick of time. Because yeah, she's a complete force of nature. Um, I I love that. I love the stakes of Book's entire planet getting destroyed. Although I was kind of sad because that was I thought it was a really beautiful moment. One of my favorite moments was the scene with him and his uh, his uh, quote unquote brother. And um, the the kid doing the ceremony of the the sap and the blood that binds them all, I thought that was just it was a really beautiful, really well executed scene. And of, of course, they're setting it up so that they they can they can hurt us. They hurt us. Yeah. But but overall, um, you know, with with how it started, that's just one of the things of these these news shows that just want to be all like, hey, all your gang is back and we want to make you feel like you're you're back with the family rather than just getting to the get get to the meat of it. I want the meat of it. And I got the meat of it halfway through. Right on. That's um, before we get some more hot freaks from our viewers. Um, let's uh, Mariah. Yes. 
Can you tell everyone how they can find and subscribe to the podcast? Oh, yeah. So if you enjoyed our hot freak and want to hear more about what we're talking about, you can find us at StarTrekPod.co, where you can find links to all of the versions of this podcast, audio and video. And you can make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Normally, we are live on Thursday nights, same day as the premiere. But due to some fun logistical things, it's Friday night, baby. So make sure you subscribe to that YouTube channel so that you know uh, when we're going live. And Grant, how else can people support this little show? I can tell you more things, guys. Uh, In fact, if you want to support us monetarily, you can go to patreon.com slash Star Trek pod and make your per episode pledge. That that means that you say if we put out an episode, you'll give us. We like two, two bucks an episode. I think that's a good amount because if you give two bucks an episode, at most, we put out four uh, a month. And so that's like eight bucks you're down, but you join us on our private exclusive Slack. You um, are supporting a show that you like, and you can join us in the community with a whole bunch of other people that are awesome and come chat with us about all things Trek. It is um, open and welcoming and loving, and no one gets mad at me when I uh, mistake Klingons and uh, Tribbles or whatever. (laughs) It's very... Whatever very forgiving has. community, very forgiving. <laughs> they don't Kinda mind if I cuss accidentally do. either. <laughs> I just want to remind everybody that we do have a fourth co-host, Clyde, who couldn't make it tonight, but Clyde will hopefully be back next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, does somebody want to pull up some of these hot freaks? From oh, wait, yeah, here's one. All right. Grant looks <laughs> cute with that longer hair. Let's just uh, linger yeah. on. That's <laughs> a great hot freak. Fire. I agree. I have to agree with that. You do look cute. You got a little swoosh. You got some mullet going on in the back. Oh, you know, yeah. Are, are you I actually cut it? It was getting pretty gnarly in the back. Our audio only listeners are really missing out. Yeah, you should you should tune into our live show or at least go <laughs> subscribe to our YouTube channel. I have one here. So Kern says, um, can somebody else read that? It's really small on the uh, screen. Strong start to the season, but can't they let Michael stay happy? Kind of hard for her and Book to have that same joyful relationship after his planet being destroyed. It's true. We do uh, We do see, you know, you got to have an inciting moment that's setting off this whole season. And unfortunately, that inciting moment seems to always be some sort of trauma for poor Michael and now Book. Well, that's just the essence of drama, right? If you mm-hmm. want a good... Uh, relatable conflict in your dramatic television show. Uh, characters got to be sad. Bad things got to happen to them, right? Uh, at least her planet didn't blow up. I mean, come on, poor book. <sighs> Man, yeah. yeah really if you want that. happy people, go watch Friends. Chupi <laughs> <laughs> uh, says, I feel some strong lines between being drawn between Burnham and Kirk. I thought all the diehard stuff last season was similar. The Kobayashi Maru is also so strongly associated with him as well. I know I did realize I was thinking about it. She does not. I don't think Kirk has, has Kirk done the, 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 the trick Kobayashi, Kobayashi Maru at this point. Um, prior to her leaving. Huh. Oh, you mean, you mean, in, well, she maybe would have read about it since she skipped past that, right? Because we're right. in the far future, but she wasn't around when he did it. That's true. But yeah, yeah the it was a really interesting idea to kind of interrogate the Kobayashi Maru in this because, as Grant was saying, um, we know that Kirk uh, reprogrammed the Kobayashi Maru and basically mm-hmm. cheated because he cannot accept a no-win scenario. But um, Michael Burnham is kind of the same. She didn't reprogram anything, but she, the whole point is that she, she cannot accept a no win scenario, especially one that, um, will, could potentially end up with casualties, uh, not only from her crew, but from the people around her. Right. Um, so it's, but that's, that's so palpable that, that, um, that difference in ideologies between Burnham and the president, because we know as viewers, and I think if you look, if if you if I'm a character in the show and I'm looking back on Starfleet history, I know that the greatest captains do not accept no-win scenarios. That's the mm-hmm. stuff of Star Trek myth of legend, right? That's what makes you well. That, that, that's what makes you a myth. And the greatest captains and the greatest characters in Star Trek are. Um, uh, 
are, are kind of points for people to look up to and inspire, right? And I think that's that's who and what Burnham is. And the president just doesn't recognize it. But that it also makes sense that she doesn't recognize it because it seems incredibly reckless. I, I think the problem there is uh, the best captains for us to watch are the ones that are reckless yeah. and do that. But for, for every um, Kirk or Burnham, who knows how many others were reckless many and, and got everyone killed. <laughs> like statistically, these may be our anomalies that are fun to watch, but you know, you, you mitigate risk by saving the most people when you notice there's a, a no win situation rather than uh, risking everyone to save one person like Burnham will do. So could the answer be somewhere in between? I wonder. Hmm. Perhaps. A balance, as uh, as Sukal was saying. Is that his name, Sukal? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think... Um, Saru's son. Mm-hmm. Um, someone pointed out that the president keeps talking about... Uh, here it is. Um, actually, quite like the president, even though she's a bit annoying with her uh, f- my father's cargo ship experience, I'm wondering if that's going to come back for anything. Like, perhaps the reason she keeps telling us that she used to pilot cargo ships is going to somehow affect our plot moving forward who knows maybe it's just the throwaway line throwaway line but i feel like if you mm. give it to me twice perhaps there's a reason i need to know this information her, his, her dad was han solo something <laughs> weird. Uh, kevin tang says uh it's a little disappointing that grudge is just a regular cat not a real queen but a normal feline carnivore that we know of as far as we know we're not sure they did was- both say queen Maybe there's something I don't know about this. Uh, Kevin, I don't think that was confirmed in this episode that Grudge is just a regular cat. They might treat Grudge like a regular cat, but we yeah. don't know. We don't. Know. The scanners didn't say that. They said that's what she was. And it was actually, I think it was a reference to um, Spot the Cat. Isn't that like a line from Spot the Cat? Oh. <laughs> is from from uh, Data's Cat? Data's Cat, yeah. That Spot is a queen? No, no, no. Something about the description of Spot and the description of Grudge. I think oh, yeah. The same I don't descriptors know. Given. Uh, I'm going to bring up Choopy's Hot Freak. Okay. And I'm going to. Okay. No, we I already feel... did this one. Did we? Yes. yes, sir. Oh, duh, 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 duh. Yeah, We're yeah. going to keep on the Grudge train with Wait. Arthur <laughs> Davids, who says we need more Grudge because she's a queen. Also, lots of fun spectacle spinning space stations. Sand. Was that a Horta? Or a trucker running down the corridor. How awesome is that? Oh, and <laughs> was that a Horta or a tr- I don't know what that means. What's a Horta? Do either of you know? Do we need to look it up real quick? <laughs> I would have to know. I don't know. There is so much like action in this episode, but I can definitely look up. Uh, I don't think it was a Horta. <laughs> oh. Oh, also, Thomas Hill says that us and Text Trek are on at the same time. Oh, no. We're usually on Thursdays. We are usually on Thursdays, so we're not meaning to step on toes. We didn't know. But, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're buddies with the Text Trek peeps. Uh, yeah, the, that, the devil that's in the why you can have multiple taps. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Run both shows. Same, I'm actually watching the time. that right now. While <laughs> <doing> <laughs> the They're much better than us. Just check them out. No, they're great. It could be fun. A flurkin. Wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> That's an MCU thing. Wrong uh, universe, but all right. uh, yeah. Do you want any more hot freaks or shall we? If we have any more. I am, I'm sure. Or we, we can do. just trickle them in as we go. Yeah. Oh, wait. Here's a great one. Grant looks cute with that long hair. Did I pull this one up yet already? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm going I'm to see if I can bookmark this one so I can come back to it. Of course. Um, anyway, um, let's uh, let's talk about. Can we talk about this gravitation thing? Mm-hmm. Can I first uh, off say that uh, when they saw the video of the dude freaking out, and immediately Burnham's like, "Oh, what's that? Go uh, check out that weird anomaly in the corner." And then they just go, "Bloop, bloop." Yep, gravitational thing. Something's going crazy. Let's let's coordinate on that. I was like, come on, guys. I know that you're rushed for time in this episode, but <laughs> that's some rapid problem solving there. You, you know, um, this episode really continued the trend for me anyway, where um, w- we get some kind of like uh, really detached, impossible threat that we don't really understand. 
that is not really tied to any real emotion and the solve for it in the moment happens so quickly and so rat-a-tat, you know, fast that I I feel that I can't get invested in the moment and I'm just kind of wa- watching these scenes wash over me. Uh, I think that's a bit of a problem. What do you guys feel? I mean, on second watch, I will say when you are watching him give that description, it is a very noticeable change in the background. So I, I do think if I was someone who's analyzing things for things going wrong, I would have noticed that there was something there. Um, but to your point of like, we're now on this search again, once again, for the thing that's going to destroy the universe that we don't know what it is. I mean, but isn't that like every every MCU thing? There's a force in the universe that's going to destroy us all and we have to save the world, right? Um, Not Thor just- Ragnarok. This is just larger. I will, I will, I was actually, I was having an interesting discussion with somebody about how, like, I personally think the best Marvel movies are the ones where it's like an internal family conflict, right? Civil War. um, So, like, Black Panther, Ten Rings, uh, Ragnarok, those are all sort of internal family conflict conflicts. And so, I think what I was hoping for in this premiere is we would get a little bit of the taste that of, of the conflict that we know is still there between. Burnham and uh, Stamets. Yeah, I was really hoping we get a little touch of that. I think we'll get it next episode because um, this one was just like setting up our big bad in the universe for the season. Um, but yeah, I was hoping for that because I think when you combine those two things, I'm so much more attached to yes. the material. Um, and in this one, it just felt like we're only going to discuss the really big stakes at this point. Besides the moments we got with Saru, which I did appreciate for those moments that kind of slowed down within the episode. Yeah. I, and is that character's name, Sukal? The other Kelpian with Saru? The one who yes. caused the burn? I think yes. that sounds right. I, I think that's right, right? Yeah. Well, I'd like, I really... I didn't like Sukal last season, but I liked him in this episode. Um, I like that he's matured a bit. And the fact that he's matured and he's ready to to be alone with his people and let Saru go really uh, grounded where Saru is in his journey for me. He's been on Kaminar for five months. He's really helped this Kelpian and helped his world change their perspective and grow along with um, with the Federation. It's like there's a there's a galaxy out there, um, and it seems like Saru is just growing into this really wise elder. Uh, I mean, they called great. him the elder. They on called the him the elder. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be wonderful when he returns to Disco to kind of see where he fits in now that he's no longer the captain, and Burnham's a captain. Um, is he going to go back to his science station? Is he going to? be some kind of envoy to the president or some kind of diplomat. Where is he going to land? And I like the idea that he's becoming this kind of um, th- this age elder, this wise, this wise character. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how, how long do you think he was off of um, Kel- Kelpar, whatever his planet is, <laughs> Kel- Kelpland? Um, because he was there five months. No, but no, I mean, like, how long was he off in, in as a part of Starfleet? Because, like, he grew up most of his life until he was, like, at least an adolescent um, before he got off of there. And he was a product of a society where you are terrified all the time. So mm-hmm. for him to be, like, wiser than a lot of people who, who had their entire life where they're aware of the larger universe... I mean, I, I I understand the point of like deferring to the fact that he's traveled through time and he's got that wealth of experience. Yeah. But I bet you know, relative to a lot of those other people, they have a little bit better better grasp um, than this caveman coming back coming up. Well, up he left Kaminar to join Starfleet and then um, could not return home because they were a pre warp society at that point. Right. Um. And so, but he was also there. He was essentially who who created the liberation of his people when he went back and was like, Hey, like we don't have to die on this planet. So I do think it's like a bit of, of also his mythology, right? Like he is the liberator of their planet and of their people. Um, And, and so I think Saru has earned that both through experience and through, I think the love of his, of his people. 
Yeah. And in terms of how long he was gone, it had to be maybe a decade or a couple decades. I mean, more reminds us that Saru was gone a long time because Giorgio was only a lieutenant when she met him. Yeah. And when we caught up with her, she's captain. I know. I'm I'm just being bitchy. I imagine (laughs) like suddenly uh, Lincoln shows up here and he's like, hey, guys, what's this crazy device in your hand? We're like, ah, grandpa. I don't want to have to explain what a cell phone is, let alone the flushing toilet to you. He's Space Lincoln. He's Space Lincoln. Lincoln. Goodness. Um, I did like seeing the Ba'ul incorporated into the scene and to see how they're sort of um, co-mingling as a society in that weird underwater tank, which is a really cool set piece. Yeah, first I was like, why are they underwater? It. Oh, because of the Ba'ul. Okay, that makes sense. And I, I thought that was a really good design choice. A really good aesthetic to incorporate both of the, both both of those um, types of alien races together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, we built this little Atlantis bubble so we can talk to the Ba'ul and include them. That was pretty. Cool. Yeah, there was some other cool. I mean, the I, I always, I mean, like props to to props and costumes and everyone who kind of makes all of this world building come to life. And um, the when they reveal the new ship building um, station and it has the it's the Archer. Um, and there's that nice swell of the, of the theme, Archer's theme. Uh, I thought that was really cool. And there was also some music moments I noticed too. I thought like when we first open up on the planet and we're like coming down in that cold open, it felt a little Kelvin versy, a little TOSy, um, in, in some of the musical kind of references I, I thought there. So I think they're definitely being like little tips of the hat, you know? What'd you guys think moments. of the, the butterfly people? I thought they were really cool. I, like I said, it, I thought it was just a just a bizarre effect to open up the the season with. I don't have anything against it, but my brain was doing so much work trying to look at them and figure them out, you know. And I don't know. Well, I think little, all of those little it, things are mechanical. Yeah. It was and a little confounding. So the mechanical things create their wings. I thought it was cool. It's I, it kind of reminds. No, I, I get mean, it. I just was like, right. okay. <laughs> it's it almost felt like their version of programmable matter in a way, right? Like it felt like it acted in a similar way. Um, yeah. So, what do you think know. of them, Grant? That's cool. I don't know. It just seemed kind <laughs> of. It, it seemed like a, a a silly setup to to establish some sort of conflict. I I liked the resolution that that Burnham was adamant of. You know, they're attacking us, but that's they have a good reason to. And we're still going to try and help them and figure out a solution and also fix other problems that we can recognize they're having. Like, mm-hmm. I, I liked all those elements of it. The um, the fact that, like, they just kind of kept attacking them felt like we need an action sequence in the beginning of, of the mm-hmm. show, which is fine. Um, um, hmm. Also, like, shouts to Sonequa Martin-Green, who um, started filming season four 12 weeks after giving birth and was doing all of this like stunt work and like running around bananas. Um, And the fact that she so quickly slipped right back into being like Michael in such a great way. Yeah, she's she's pretty badass. She's pretty, pretty freaking badass. I would say she's the best captain. I mean, she's a combination. They talked about it on um, the ready room, uh, which, which I also watched. And there's a little preview for next week that doesn't really give us too much other than like a fun speech from Michael. But um, they did talk about on the ready room, how Michael is sort of that combination of Kirk and Picard in that she's very thoughtful and like um, tactical and has that sort of science background and is very knowledgeable and has like the the Vulcan logic um, in how she was raised, but then also has that Kirk sort of like I'm going to jump in and get it done mentality because she knows she can. Um, so I think that I think it's really fun. I think it's such a fun ca- captain for us. Yeah, I love Michael since the beginning, and um, in a lot of ways, we've gone through the biggest emotional journey with Michael than any other captain that we've ever for seen sure. on Star Trek. I mean, we, we saw a lot of growth with and changes with Cisco and DS nine mm-hmm. and with Janeway. Yeah. Um, but we've really seen Michael, um, not that she had to earn the captain spot, but she's earned it. Mm-hmm. And we watched every step of the way. 
Um, so it feels it kind of feels overdue that she's captain now, but it feels right. I'm really happy to see her as it captain. Feels right. It feels cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't I don't know all the captains, but I know that um, Picard's a dick, and uh, <laughs> Shatner Kirk Kirk he seems like a dick. Um, <laughs> and then I I don't really know the other two. Well, three I guess if lower decks counts. Four yeah. Archer is that a is there an Archer dude? Yeah. Archer, Cisco, I love Quantum Jamie. Leap, so maybe he's great. But uh, <laughs> if he's not like, if it's not Quantum Leap, I don't really care about that guy either. Anyway, Burnham's the best. <laughs> is my point. Thank um, you for that. Uh, the fact that you've only got recognizable quality points for two captains, but and they're both dicks. <laughs> <laughs> I can eliminate them. Such and a move on. A learned breakdown of Star Trek captains from one Grant mm-hmm. Davis. Thank you. Um, I did like that we got to see uh, Adira and Tilly do some scene work together because sure. those are two sort of like brainiac children on well, Tilly's not really a, a kiddo anymore. Um, now that she is a lieutenant, very well earned. Um, so I'm excited that we get to see those two doing scenes together and we get to kind of see them both flex there. Uh, we are the smart and capable uh, yeah. Science officers. It's uh, a nerd off. It is a we, nerd off. It was but a the nerd best off. kind. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, Adira was able to speak with Gray with everyone else in the room and no one commenting on it. Mm-hmm. It was just accepted that that's what's happening because it feels like people know about the Gray situation. Mm-hmm. And then Gray mentions uh, there might be a body coming it's up. It's a soon. bit of a gray area. Bit of a gray area. <laughs> bit of a gray area uh yeah i'm excited for for that continuation of that plot point as well yeah i feel like we had so many pieces left from season three i want to see us moving forward with so i was kind of craving some of that in this episode yeah which i I think is the only thing that was really missing for me because i was like i'm here for the setup of the big bad i'm here to see michael be badass and to set us up for knowing that she's fully capable as a captain. I thought everything looked beautiful. The characters of course are fun. Um, But yeah, I was missing some of that. Like, Hey, you left us with a bunch of questions last season and Mm. I need to start getting answers. (laughs) Well, you know, you know, going back to Adira though, I I like the, the Adira's two dads kind of uh, Mm. scenes that we get, you know, both Stamets and Colbert are, are, are very protective and curious when, when Samus is like, how's Adira? Oh, and, uh, and you know, everyone. whoever the other ones are, they're also <laughs> in danger. You don't really give a shit, but you know, is Adira okay? Very um, parental. And then Colbert shows up at the, when the anomaly like destroys the space dock, mm-hmm. where's Adira? <laughs> yeah, yeah, check out like, Are like, you okay? Is this four dead? dead? Where's Adira? <laughs> yeah, that was, um, you know, I, I figured we were probably getting a, 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 I mean, we got an entire world destroyed. We got quite a bit of death in the very first episode of the season. Um, and uh, it was quite the gut punch there at the, at the very end. Um, but yeah, it's kind of so much, you know, sometimes at this point where we start talking about theories, like what is the anomaly? Mm-hmm. Where does it come from? What does it mean? But I don't, at this point, I still don't feel invested in it. They haven't really given us much to really theorize about or what it could be. We at this point last season we're rattling off ideas of how the burn could have happened because that seemed kind of tied to Star Trek lore. But mm-hmm. just this just seems so it seems just like a random contrivance so far. And that's not necessarily a criticism right. because it's just the first episode, but yeah, I'm just not into it. I will say I saw someone in a review say that this felt like the most Star Trekky Star Trek premiere for Discovery, and yeah. I think I would agree in that it is the uh, it fits a lot of the tropes that we've seen in Star Trek past, right? Where we're figuring out who is the big bad for the season. There's some very large trauma that's going to happen that follows the crew for the rest of the season, um, and we're sort of jumping in to to figure out uh, where everyone is. Um, and I think Courtney I've heard it was all the ensemble. It was like five to six months has passed since the the uh, finale last season is what I've seen uh, for, as far as like how much time has actually passed. So they've gotten quite a lot done in six months, restarted up the Academy, which I thought was a very sweet scene uh, to see starting back up and all the young wondrous faces and 
uh, Tilly's fun line about how it was both a thousand years ago and yesterday, both being correct. <laughs> I do like that uh, there was a promise uh, in that Academy scene of returning Starfleet to its scientific exploration roots because Starfleet has been almost dead for mm -hmm. several years after the burn. And it was almost a message to us as fans as well, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, some of the criticisms have been, oh, this is just a all action, all the time show. Or, and it seems more militaristic, which it's fine, Star Trek. But um, yeah, the, the core of Star Trek is all about those scientific ideas and exploring uh, scientific exploration. Um, so thinking about that, it makes you me get that in strange new worlds. What do the people complain about? <laughs> it gives me good hope that uh, exploring this anomaly will be more about mm -hmm. um, uh, exploring how humans solve these, these problems, problems with, with science and with um, uh, working together, you know, more Star Trekky. Don't you feel like yeah. Burnham coming in though and being like, Hey, you know, um, you guys have sucked and us time travelers are here to tell you, uh, we're going to fix you and be like, man, we were trying. There was, did you know there, there's this crazy little Kelpian kid who just destroyed all our dilithium. You don't have to insult us. Like we, our Academy was a failure up until this point. Just, you know, that some of it did feel kind of smug at the beginning with like <laughs> the, all the disco crew being like, yeah, we did this. Yeah. We look at us high-fiving in the us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you guys are losers. You would have been dead without us. <laughs> um, I did see Takako said, "I love the brief moment of Vance being a real uh, dad admiral." And it was it, there was mm. I don't know if y'all have seen that meme where it's just like dad, daddy, dad, daddy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> it was. Very, he is very definitely a daddy. That. Yeah, yeah, literally and figuratively, but mostly yes. literally. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you guys? I want to. See how you guys really feel about this president. Uh, if we can theorize at all, who is this president? Or does she have evil? Does she have evil intent, or is it just a, is a politician being a politician? What do you think? I don't. I don't know because she. So she is uh, our first. So she's Bajoran, Cardassian, and human is what oh. uh, her full breakdown is there. And so, so it's, much. It's a lot. Um, and they did like a they did like a cool kind of history of Cardassian Bajoran um, mixed race people on the ready room, which I thought was cool with some clips, a lot of clips from Deep Space Nine and some clips from um, from TNG and uh, kind of explaining that history for folks who maybe have not watched the the old old Trek episodes about how that's kind of an interesting and yet controversial take. And, and I think they're very purposeful in putting her there because of that um, culture mixture for her. And so, I mean, in an interesting way, it's like half of me wants to trust her because usually the Bajorans are very trustworthy people and they have good intentions and they are pretty um, well thought out and thoughtful. But then you got Cardassians, man. <laughs> and I, they have been the villain for so long and uh, fucking cardies there it is that cardassian so it's like you know there's a little bit of suspicion there but then again we were all very suspicious of admiral vance in the beginning too and then we've learned to kind of love him so i'm i, I don't know cautiously optimistic about her especially because she has not served in starfleet she's more the president of the federation which is the political arm rather than the starfleet arm Stress-free K, that was very well said. And I think stress-free K has a good point um, in the chat here. The problem is President Rylak is clearly threatened by Burnham's notoriety throughout the Federation. That right. could be part of the case because it kind of reminds me of Dune. Uh, you know, the emperor is really threatened by the Atreides house mm -hmm. because they're so popular. Um, and that kid's name was Leto? That's true. I just watched True. that movie. <laughs> okay. uh, but yeah, yeah, that 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 does that that is something that tends to happen when a politician is rising to power, but there was someone who doesn't seek the throne who is very popular that can be a threat. Uh especially if they have warring ideologies. But there was also the uh 
the president also brought up a couple of new interesting projects that Starfleet is working on, mm-hmm. an advanced spore drive oh, and what? a new a new uh, a new kind of uh, another a different kind of drive that's that the new Voyager is going to be outfitted with. What could that possibly mean? Uh, not just like technology wise, mm-hmm. but for the story. Well, what's happening there? What if? All right. Ready for some uh, some fun Mariah Theory Corners? Holy do shit. It. Do I have the banner? Do you have the banner? You're going to throw it up? Mariah prediction. Okay. What if <laughs> the Federation is eating its own tail yet again in that the experiment, the experiments to create this new spore drive has caused this gravitational anomaly? Yes. Not just a spore drive, but it is the pathway drive as right. well. So there's two weird things happening. Mm-hmm. What if this two, is the ship just like going yeah. through and knocking it's like, stuff out? It's like neat, neat, and it lit, you know? I'm or very articulate tonight. Yeah, it doesn't have to be the Federation. Perhaps it is someone who had been working, like another um, group who had been working on similar tech and it's kind of gone awry, right? And, and we, something has gone amiss. We got a comment actually from uh, VM who says, um, I've seen this theory going around, totally believing it'll happen. This anomaly is caused by dilithium harming subspace, just mm-hmm. like they tackled in that TNG episode that yep. you both remember. <laughs> I kind of remember that. Yeah, there was this one episode where dilithium, I think. Uh, it was also warp- the warp warp signatures. Yeah, yeah, essentially were harming a lot of things. Um, exactly. Yeah, the warp signature was like weakening space or making it unstable. And then it was never touched on ever again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe that could be something. If we're thinking about canon, that could be something. Yeah. Um, the other thing I thought it was interesting. Did y'all watch um, uh, Prodigy this week as well? No. Okay. I'll oh, give, give us our uh, Prodigy update. So uh, it's great. I've been really enjoying it. Um, I think it's a, a really cute show. There's going to be 20 episodes for the first season, which is wild to think about another oh Trek series with 20 eps. So we'll probably have to just do some periodic Prodigy updates and maybe we can do something fun for just our patrons where we're talking about, uh, about Prodigy. But um, in this week's episode, they... Uh, used so the reason that it's the protostar ship is that it has a protostar warp drive that's powered by essentially a baby star and so uh knowing that this series takes place kind of bef- after voyager D- yeah disco but, is after everything yeah 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 no i know that <laughs> But I'm just saying is like if the tech is around somewhere in the Picard era of things mm-hmm. like and it was never fully explored, perhaps it would be fun to throw a little ball between, you know, Prodigy and Disco. Anyway, I don't Proto know Warp, it. Pathway Warp, Spore Drive. Oh, my. I don't know what all this stuff is. <laughs> <laughs> It's just Star Trek bullshit. I am also trying to remember, and I might have to go back and and reread from, I think, season two, right, where we had all of our mushroom encounters. Wasn't there something about using the spore drive was harming the mycelial network at that point, and they had to figure out a way to not harm the network? So perhaps this new spore drive is not solving for that issue. What if there's all these other dead bodies popping up in the mycelial network as they're testing things? That would be terrifying. They have to bring up back all these other little cocoons, just like, uh, like what's his name, Colbert? Mushrooms are magic, guys. Whatever that plot point was, I kind of don't remember it. (laughs) Except that he came back in a cocoon from the, the mushroom land. Well, there's a lot to look forward to, I think, in this season. Uh, Gray becoming sentient. We got a hint at that in this episode. Also just seeing so many new, uh, like that scene with the, the new Academy members, mm-hmm. we got Tellarites, Ferengis, a bunch of like new species that I didn't recognize. So we're going to see a lot of like um, new takes on species that we've seen and uh, a bunch of new alien species. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, there was even a there was a Tribble walking around. Is that? Do you guys think that Tribble is part of the crew? Was or is that what that pet? was? There was a there was a Tribble, yeah, walking yeah. around the headquarters at least. Yeah, Burnham so. sees it and she goes, "Oh, hi!" When when it goes down the hallway, that guinea pig looking thing, that was mm-hmm. a Tribble. Yeah. 
Yeah, oh, that's huge. I thought triples were about like this big. Like, no, uh, that was our fake triples at the studio that are like keychains. But well, those uh, are the ones that came with the triples are like the, the action figures. So was, those were uh, to scale. Yeah, yeah. My, my familiarity was the ones that we had on the desk. So I thought they're all okay. No, they're like little bunnies, you know. I will say this: the um, as far as like other characters we met, and unfortunately, our starbase um, captain. Who, who died at the end of the episode when he first popped up and started talking he only he almost reminded me of the um the duplar from lower decks like personality <laughs> yeah yeah don't I make know. me nervous i'm so nervous yeah it was just like <laughs> don't talk those, about me <laughs> those vibes um but i thought tilly did a good job of trying to to kind of handle that situation and to keep him calm in in a and and sort of show her leadership there yeah. um and then we got to see the president sort of chime in as well he reminded me of michael scott doing improv like <laughs> i got a gun <laughs> i got a gun what are we gonna do it's like all right dude relax oh you know what while we're on the subject of tilly mm-hmm. uh we got a comment earlier from nicole saying probably in the minority here but i'm not a tilly fan and then you know people were kind of discussing tilly in this episode i wanted to get y'all's thoughts on tilly it seems like Tilly is definitely going through something, maybe still with the person out of time um, issue that she was going through last season. I think a lot of the crew was going through that. Mm-hmm. So we're definitely being set up for some kind of emotional journey with Tilly. But like I said all last season, I'm glad Tilly is in the position that she's in in terms of her rank. Um, I want to see more of her. Um it did kind of feel like they didn't really know what to do with her much in this episode, but there was so much going on and so many characters got little vignettes here. Um, but I don't know. I still like Tilly. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like the part where Burnham recognized there was conflict with that um, captain of the other ship. And immediately she had just such trust and faith in Tilly. Her, her quick response of Tilly will handle it. Mm-hmm. was like all I needed as, as far as like, okay, yeah. She yeah. knows Tilly's got this and and we, the audience, now can be reassured that like Tilly's got this because Burnham is the best captain we've ever seen and she's not a dick. <laughs> I think too, ones. you know, with Tilly, she is still, I think, probably coming back into her own confidence because sh- the ship was taken over on her watch, right? And I think she's probably having a bit of uh, internal struggle over the fact that she was promoted uh, for doing all of the right things in that situation, but is probably also questioning herself a bit because she isn't Burnham. And when you're watching people like Burnham and Saru and Pike, I'll come in and be your captain. And then now you're sort of rising through the ranks and seeing what's ahead of you. I'm sure it's very intimidating. I think everyone is, is great on this show, but really I just want Burnham and Reno just doing their thing. Is Reno still on the ship? Apparently we're we're going to get a lot of Reno this season. Is that, I think we're not, I think we're going to get a lot of Reno coming in on the comm. Because uh, I think I, I did read that Tig didn't show up for a lot of the filming because of COVID. Um, so she, uh, I think she did a lot of at-home stuff. So oh, we might see I, her uh, on the screen. You know? <laughs> We're going to see a little stick figure of her walking down the hall being like, oh, shit, get out of my way. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, had, I had heard from the London co- uh, Comic-Con or the Star Trek London thing that um, Anthony Rapp said that there's a lot more Reno this season than last season. So good. I love Reno. Yeah. Should people, be. Fun. People agree. Just get Jet back, please. So I know. In the preview, so give me more. I was, I'm ready for it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's the very first episode. We got so much ground to cover. I think it um, delivered on many ways as a season opener, as far as being exciting and setting us up for the rest of the season. I'm just, I, I think my only critique was I wish there had been like one or two more notes about some of the internal conflicts between the the um, the crew, because that's right. usually what kind of keeps me interested in there personal growth stories so santi santo says stamets is mary poppins now a nanny and tilly is like depressed (laughs) and and let me just say um i think we're all like depressed (laughs) now so 
<laughs> you know, there, so is all of us. There's lots of non-Star Trekky reasons to be depressed uh, in the world right now. There is one big Star Trekky reason that a lot of people who don't live in the U.S. are depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to sum that up for us, Mariah? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, it it really smells of a uh, deal that went sour in the last hour uh, of whatever happened, um, which does happen in entertainment. And it's a very unfortunate um, to see that happen. Cause yeah, they, I don't think anyone was prepared for that. They had just sent the whole cast over to London to promote it in international audiences and then said, sorry, y'all we're pulling all of Star Trek off of Netflix uh, for international folks. And Paramount plus is still figuring out how to it's not ready in all territories. Yeah. It's so a lot of people overseas or not in the US are not getting this season, even though they thought they were. So on the sneaky, if people want to watch it on Paramount Plus from the US, you can use a way to change your IP address to be in the US to still watch it. So <laughs> it rhymes with me PN. It it rhymes with Is that. It VPN? I, I think so. And, you know, I've, I've heard Los Culturistas has a, a podcast promo code for a, a fancy one that you can pay for. So maybe I'll drop Ooh. that in the Slack for our international folks so that you can get some uh, some access points there. So, and we you can know, probably just put our login info on the screen, right, <laughs> Mike? Sure, sure, sure. Or we can figure that out. Sure, um, we'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> just pop that up for anyone who wants to just use our account. Have that. I mean, here's the thing. I saw someone post like we should boycott or whatever. Here's the thing. It's not the it, it is so many layers of people yeah. who have to agree to these things. Um, ultimately, if you're going to be mad, it's probably more on um, whoever the distributing partner is. So it's probably something that happened between Netflix and Paramount. Um, and the more that all of these streamers keep waging their wars against each other, the more separated, unfortunately, everything's going to get. Um, it's not the creative's so fault. Yeah. It's not the creative's fault at all. I don't think any of them were prepared for that based on all of their reactions and the fact that they're going out and doing um, press for it. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely... I mean, if anything, be mad at lawyers. And who doesn't want to be mad at lawyers? Easy place to throw your anger about. Um, They're the worst, unless I need their help. (laughs) Yeah. Lawyers and judges, fuck them. Yeah. uh, 100% (laughs) fuck them today. Yeah. Yeah. What a a day. Holy cow. Um, Well, yeah. yeah, thanks for summing that up. I mean, if maybe we have some international listeners who are, in the future, catching up with the show a year later, and you're just listening mm-hmm. to our show. Just want to send you a, a virtual hug. Thank you for yes. sticking around. We love you. Yeah, thanks for watching us. Um, we know that the United States has destroyed itself by this point. Uh, you're watching <laughs> the show. Uh, we are now the antithesis of the Federation. Thank you. Sorry, <laughs> thank we you. no longer thank exist, but uh, we exist yes. on this video. Yeah, we have failed the Kobayashi Maru yet again. All right, guys. Um, so are we pumped for season four of disco? Yeah, totally pumped. I'm ready. I, I, I I know why we leak this or why they put it out week to week, but sometimes I wish I could just binge the whole thing because I I'm very excited. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've gone back and binged. Um, I binge all the seasons when they're over, but, uh, so the season I've binged the most is season one. Mm. I don't know why. I just really love season one. It's a and good just time. Wa- yeah. D- and just watching it back to back in a binge. I don't know. It, it's just, it's not only is it fun. It just, it makes more sense. You know, the story just makes more sense. I, I feel closer to the characters that way, but yeah, it, if it wasn't week to week, then we wouldn't be doing a podcast probably. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yay. Week to week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know really what to expect from this season. I feel like there was so much excitement in the first season, of course. Um, the second season with the the Red Angel stuff and and bringing in Spock and all that was also really exciting. Um, and then the third season, you know, we're blasted way into the future. And so, again, everything's crazy. It feels like this one is almost just kind of like settling into a couch or something. And yeah. Um, I don't know what the big crazy hook is 
there's something that's destroying um, this planet of Kaminar, but it's not like I had a, a deep emotional relationship with not Cam- uh, whatever the not Kaminar books. I don't planet. know what it was books planet. Yeah. But yeah, it wasn't like I had a, a deep emotional attachment to it or anything. So in, in relation to how the first three seasons kicked off, um, it it's hard to kind of maintain that unless they were going to, you know, blast off into uh, the Chris Pine universe or something. Um, I, so, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see where it goes, I guess. In the big yeah. mystery. Uh, Thomas Hill has a good, good idea. Let's just uh, resolve the anomaly in five episodes. And then just do some fun science exploring. I'm, I would be here for that. I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of tired of the whole mystery box thing. Uh, kind of feels like that's what this is. Feels kind of like the red angel over again, but maybe not as never um, tired of the red of the mystery box. I love it, that. It, it feels like the red angel trope again, but not as like visually powerful. <laughs> I don't know. We'll mm. see. We will see. But yeah, I'm excited. Lots of fun potential. And uh, and I'm and I, I just love this cast uh, so much. So I'm excited to see where they where they take these characters. Yeah. Oh, we got a grant question for you from uh, Nicole here. Uh, Nicole says, sorry for changing topic, but will Grant and Mike Moody Garcia be back with MCU pod for the new episodes of Hawkeye? I don't Maybe. know. Mike, you, you want to talk about Hawkeye? Looks like fun. I can Maybe. do that. Yeah. It seems like a, a good Christmas romp. Maybe we'll be back next week. Is that when it shows up? I think so. It's uh, the 24th. So maybe we'll start. Maybe. Maybe. I'm just going to say maybe <laughs> watch like, over and over until we fade out. Watch our tweets. Watch our tweets. Yeah. You'll see. Um, I do know that next week is an American holiday. So I'm, uh, I guess we will discuss amongst ourselves if we'll be back on on Thursday or Friday. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. I don't know. I'll be home. I'll be home. I'll actually be home home. I'll be in Austin. You're coming back already? I'm coming I knew back it was sometime holiday. in November. I'm coming right. back for the holiday and then I get back to Austin uh uh the week of Christmas for for, for good, good for good good. Yeah. For <gasps> we missed you. I gotta work on an Austin show, so I'm coming back. We, oh nice. We could record in person again. What? Wild. Studios already. Oh, you're going to love the changes we made to the studio. I'm yeah. excited. I'm it's excited. all underwater now. What? Mm-hmm. I get to be a Baul? <laughs> <laughs> it was so weird. It was kind of funny. It was kind of comical with, when they're having the conference with the Baul and the Kaminar people are like, yeah, okay, what's up? And the Baul were like, oh, well, I think that's <laughs> an interesting topic. Uh, okay, thanks, uh, Baul. Anyway, what are we having for lunch? Like. <laughs> Their voices, really <laughs> Their voices are so designed to be like Death Eater evil. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I, so I enjoy the the um how different they are from each other, and they're not eating the kelpians anymore. <laughs> right. Okay, guys, we are super pumped to be back for uh, Discovery season four. Thank you so much for watching with us. Thank you so much for for listening, and uh, please continue. Uh, we're going to be here hopefully every Thursday uh, after each episode of Discovery airs uh, on YouTube, 9 p.m. Uh, Central Time. Uh, Grant, tell people how they can uh, uh, support us. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash Star Trek pod and you can help support us by uh, making the $2 an episode pledge and joining our Star Trek Slack channel. To join in a lot of the fun and discuss discussions and watch alongs. Uh, another way you can help us, of course, is just to, you know, spread the word about this show. Tell other people they can tune in um, Thursdays or or Fridays or whenever we put these out. We're super regular, except when we're not. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess you could give us like five star reviews and whatnot, and um, all the things, all, all the things. But uh, but but mainly, you know, we just appreciate you guys. Um, joining us when we do these live shows. That's a good show of support. And we, we like getting to, to chat and hear your thoughts about this show as well. Live. Yeah. It's really fun. You can um, also follow us on social media is at star Trek pod on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, Karen, who helps run our Twitter account. We appreciate you. Appreciate you. Oh, so much. 
All right. Um, guys, where can we find you online? Mariah. I'm at Mariah Gossett on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and that's Mariah with a Y, a Gossett with two S's and two T's. Uh, you can find me at um, Grant. If you just look up the name Grant online, there's only one of them. So that's me. Ulysses M. Grant. Oh, two. Okay, there's two of us. <laughs> Not Just make sure you do Grant and then do a minus Ulysses so you don't get any of the Ulysses grants. None of those. Yeah, don't need that. Find me at Mike Moody Garcia on Insta, on Twitter. Uh, we'll be back hopefully next week. Live long and prosper. Bye.